The following hour of programming discusses some topics and subjects that may not be suitable for all audiences. The views expressed by the hosts are their own. Listeners, please be advised. And thanks for tuning in to CJSW. Is it, is it true? Is it true? It's true! It's happening! It's happening! Hi! It's so good to see you. It's that. We're here. are about to see the new space. Excellent. Well, it's already bigger than I remember. Okay, are you ready to see it? Ready. Let's go through we the doors. We were in the basement, remember? And it oh, was all kind of... Do we remember? The shit pit. Yeah. The shit pit? Is that <laughs> the shit pit that smelled like uh, old beer and urine. Oh, yeah. With uh, headphones that did not work. Never worked. Yeah, I, I don't know if they've gotten rid of that problem, but oh. here, let's check it out. Okay, let's, let's go. We're going through the doors of CGSW 2023. Yeah, so you haven't seen August. the new space at all, right? No, no, no. It's awesome. Um, it's so big. Not like this. No, no, <laughs> not no. like this. There's windows, for Christ's sakes. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. And you can actually sit and talk. Yeah, let's head on back to the studio. Yeah, let's head on this back. This is cool. We never had this. This is much bigger than uh, I could ever remember because it was just a, a dark room at the back of the, what what will Matt call, what, in the basement? We were in the basement, yeah, weren't we? we were in the basement, and it was a much smaller. I think it was maybe a third or a quarter of the size that it actually is now. Okay. Um, but I assume it's going to be that we're going to see, like, new stuff. And... Uh, Okay. And they've been remember, running for the one. Remember when they had like the library and it was like oh, you yeah. could barely fit in between the stacks of CDs and vinyl? Absolutely. It was like everything crammed in. Yeah, I remember that. That right. was fun. Here we go. We're going out. We're, we're going down oh, the hall. Another hall, which is longer than I could ever remember. Here, CGSW right now, live. So, yeah, the, so, the it's a lot nicer than what it used to look like. Oh, oh there's a window. That's what I There's said. a window. There's a window. That's incredibly amazing. There were no windows in the past life yeah. of Dom. There was no, no way. No windows. Window no natural light. Everything is brand spanking new to us, even though it might have been, I bet, I think it's been, see, I used to, in my future incarnations, I actually worked at New TV as the executive director for three and a half years. So I've actually had a little sense of the new space i.e. when it was built and everything was kind of removed from the basement area so this is uh it's nice to just be and see all this really cool equipment and stuff and yeah so the dykes on mics are together and back dyke rhythm lesbian life engaging discussions and some that are not entertainment music politics religion queer identity leather them butch tell your friends and your lovers and your exes we're dykes on mics check out the beat on dykes on mics the first tuesday of the month from eight to nine as part of pandora studio on cjsw 90.9 fm oh yeah <laughs> we were so good man that, that was great that was rocking well i love that how old were we then oh oh man i I, 27, 28? Were we? Probably. I mean, we're basically talking about something that was, I'd say, a good 25 years ago. Well, I was 28, I'm pretty sure, because I, I just started my history degree at UC, and you're three years older than me, right? Right. 
And I don't know how old but you are. I, and I was in, yeah, I, I was, uh, I'm the same age as you, Michelle, so isn't that right? Yeah, I think so. So we're talking 30 years. Oh, my gosh. So this is what you're listening to, everybody. <laughs> uh, you're eavesdropping in on the <laughs> Dykes on Mike's reunion show. Spontaneous at that. We have just dropped into the studio. Yeah. And it's a studio with the windows and shit, so that's amazing. And there, yeah, there's light in here. And and uh, my recollection is that we were in the deep, dark basement yeah. prior three decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's... It, it seemed like about the right time to do a reunion show, just because uh, all the things that are happening in the world, frankly. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell our listeners who probably weren't even born? <laughs> I know my daughter was not born when we were doing Dykes on Mikes, and she's now 21. So why don't you tell the folks at home what the heck this thing is? Yeah, basically Dykes on Mikes. I mean, for people that listen to CGSW way back in the past, the first show was like in 19, uh, 1998. And uh, I was approached by the current the, the station manager at the time, my soon JOC, who was looking for content for uh, for queer queer shows on as, CGSW. As part of Pandora's box with a feminist, uh, feminist programming slot. Exactly. And so I was a little bit intimidated because uh, I just felt like, starting my career, I was getting kind of busy. And so also I knew that there was a show called The View that was on TV and it was a collective of voices. And I said to my soon, you know, I'm willing to do it if we can have a group of women's voices come on to the show at the same time. This way, if something happens and I can't be there, the show can still happen. And she's like, that's a great idea. Yeah, let's do it. And so the, the uh, first incarnation of Dykes on Mics was myself, just Michelle Wong, and then... Well, we were roommates at the time. We've been best friends since I came out. The night I came out, I met Michelle Wong at the Gay and Lesbian Center in Edmonton. So I'm Vicki Lalonde, and we are, we've been best friends since, I think, 1989, actually. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I believe, my gosh, if my memory can recall, <laughs> did I meet you, Michelle, through Herland? Was yes. This, yeah, was we, it Herland Feminist Film and yeah. Video Festival back in the day? Absolutely. It was. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And then we hooked up and then we became a thing. Um, and uh, I mean, that definitely love has never gone away, but we have gone our own paths. But um, definitely attest to that. And I am Corrine. And then the third, the fourth person who unfortunately can't be here today because she's sick is Cam. And and Cam was our entertainment, uh, pop culture, yeah, music, yeah. like anything to do with lesbian life that was happening um, in terms of television, theater, yeah. music. Uh, that was Cam and her do passion. You remember, a highlight was when um, Cam went and interviewed the Indigo Girls as part of Lilith Fair. That uh, was like I think probably the highlight for um, Cam as as a kind of our pop culture reporter type person. Absolutely. Yeah. And she, she was the one that was, I think, the most outgoing of us all. Like, I, I'm, I'm a pretty introverted person, believe it or not. Cam would have these fantastic freaking parties with the best food at her place, the Oscar party. And, yeah, it was really, um, Cam's place was like the social hub we would go to with our circle of friends in so many ways. She was the hostess with the mostest, for sure. Yeah, so unfortunately she can't be here today, but we will pick up the mantle and continue with our reunion show. 
uh, just because, you know, our lives, I think, since that time uh, in terms of, so we did the show basically for about three and a half years as a group, as a collective. And then as uh, we started to move on, because obviously it was at uh, UC campus and people were going to school, people were building their careers, and we just started to kind of interchange and different members left and other members came. And so I, th I think the show create uh continued for about maybe another three or four years and then they have two different uh, uh you know versions of the show, the show with different uh hosts i lost track over the years but yeah i think yeah. there was at least two different groups yeah. that took up the mantle and uh, carried on the good work of representing yeah. the queer community yeah so it you know and and for for what was possible at the time like cjsw has been a great uh venue for alternative voices, and I think yeah. still continues to be a great venue for that. Purpose. Absolutely. Still champions it. Yeah. yeah. So that's how the show came about. The, the title itself, I was in Montreal uh, finishing up my stint at the National Film Board of Canada as a filmmaker, and there was a show also um, called Dykes on Mics, who I really, the original originators of that name. Holy crap, you stole the name. Pretty much. Hello, copyright. That's right. So if they're listening, I apologize. I should have asked, but I did not. And <laughs> It's I, Alberta, the land of the lawless. That's right. <laughs> so we just kind of went for it. So the four of us uh, ran the show. And so now it just seemed fitting to, I don't know, fast forward from the time that we walked away from the show to now is maybe, I don't know, 15 years. A good well, 98, who, who's good at math? math. Whose who's brain still works with math? <laughs> Holy crap. Yep. And so we thought we'd talk a little bit about um, maybe just some of the shows that did make sense to us at the time. That any memorable shows that we did? I mean, basically our show was once a month, second Tuesday for an hour. And we had, and this was just on the cusp of the, in, of the internet coming to fruition so we were all getting email addresses and we were starting to like use dial up i know i have to have to bring this perspective in so that listeners yeah. can understand like how far back it yeah, was you see dial up as students right holy crap yeah and and you know so communication came through like newsletters it came through leaflets that were left in in certain spots it came through you know mm -hmm. in terms of building community like you mentioned green herland Absolutely, well, yeah. I don't even think there was a social media at the time, was there? No. For us to go. No, we were the social media. We, at the we time. were it. We were, we were it. Yeah. yeah. And we were really bridging a lot of different communities together. And they and people did come to us with their own stories, which was very touching. Yeah. What I mean, let's just talk about Calgary, nineteen ninety eight. What we remember. I mean, I remember money pennies. Uh, 318s, like it was the club lounge kind of thing with the places. If you wanted a date, you had to get off your butt. Rooks. Rooks, exactly. Um, Boys Town was up then. B52s had already gone bye-bye, which was too bad. That was a fun bar on First Avenue. Yeah, so yeah. these were all bars that we would go to. Of course, people would listen to our show. Yeah. We never really knew who was listening. It was an ongoing joke that, that we didn't know if our audience was 13-year-old boys or, or you know, <laughs> I think it was more like some eighteen-year-old guys in the res dorms. Um, yeah. yeah, but then Cam had an experience where she was uh, delivering her uh, family-owned a catering business, and so she had gone into uh, a, a a place to drop off something on on Heritage, and she walked in and she heard the people at in the bar talking about this wild and crazy radio show. Yeah. 
<laughs> and some of the things that were being talked about and Cam walked up and said, I'm here to drop off this stuff, but I'm also Cam and I'm part of this radio show you're talking about, Dykes on Mics. You know, I had an encounter like that too. I was at Recordland and I was just going through the stacks, right? And picking up some vinyl and I was chit-chatting with my girlfriend at the time and the guy comes around, I know you, you're on Dykes on Mics because I have such a squealy little voice, right? And I'm like, well, do you like the show? Because if you don't, then I'm not that person, you know? So little <laughs> moments like that, right? Yeah. It's kind of weird. But it's it's also the CGSW family, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and we all were very supportive of one another, right? We would kind of cover off for each other, run shows uh, if they ran short or long, sort of helped out and stuff. But, I mean, Dykes on Mics did become a, a source of information mm-hmm. because, because, like we said, there isn't the social media aspect that there is today, and especially when it comes to lesbian. And I think that's maybe what was really unique about our show was we we were all lesbians mm-hmm. and and we still are all lesbians actually I have to bring that up um in terms of I don't know if that's because I'm old school and I sometimes like I'm too I'm too old to change <laughs> but <laughs> well I also think the male the gay male community um had Goliaths um and a lot more venues where they could you know their community had more obviously money as men um they had more places to go to, public venues, the drag community. So they had a much more larger social network than I think uh, lesbian women did in, in the day and age. Like, it was really hard. I mean, thank God for Rooks, but when Rooks shut down, there's really been nothing to fill that gap in the lesbian community. Of course, you have the sports sites, but for, they, they're their own niche, right? Mm-hmm. There was also Verge, right? There was the Verge. For a while. How long did that last, though, with our friend Annette from Izobizo? Like... For quite a while, yeah, I think yeah, she, she sponsored. Long. She was our first sponsor of Dykes on Mics. That's too. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and I, I do recall so stories of, of people, like even a woman. Uh, I believe it was. Did she write in and just her story about coming out and how how she was how could, she could navigate that and what to do and and that really was at that time, especially then. Um, it was a big deal coming out. Um, it's a completely different environment now. Do you remember, though, that at that time, uh, queer papers were really important? I, I'm, you know, like, um, I'm trying to remember some of the names. But remember we had that, that lesbian couple that were publishers of a, a lesbian paper? Yeah, Q. Was that called Was, Q? Can you remember? They mm. came on the show and we interviewed them. I wish I could remember the name of their paper, but that was a lifeline. I mean, even, you got to think in the 90s, you didn't have these dating apps. You put personal ads in these queer newspapers, uh, you know, like single whatever woman, blah, blah, looking for whoever, right? Um, but that was how. It... I met. I met one of my first girlfriends through the Herald in a personal ads. Yeah, it was, that, and that's how we met. I, it, it didn't really last very long, but that, that was it because there was no other resource. And Michelle's first uh, play, East Perfect Apple, is was based in that time that the the main character meets someone through an ad in a newspaper. Well, and it was and a big thing. Nowadays, too, I think women have a different version of it. Of course, like mm-hmm. I, I'm a coward, so I never joined any of those um, apps in which you would, no, you know, put your forever. swipe swipe left and right and yeah. center and up and down and all up and down, please. But no, it wasn't really uh, something that I felt all that even even um, when I was in Montreal. There, they had a, a kind of arts rag, and I did put an ad up there. And then I was kind of petrified that I had done such a thing, actually. 
because and you get letters right i mean people like you get letters given to you from from that particular um arts you know so it, it took a while for you to actually get that information but nowadays of course like i i really miss and i'm a bit curious actually and we can talk about this later what women today are doing to, in, in terms of connecting and finding community and and being able to to locate other other like-minded individuals too. I think on one hand it's it's, it's easier obviously with digital access. Uh, on the other hand, yeah, I think the digital environment's incredibly isolating. And in our time, you had to get out and meet people and talk to people and go to the coffee shops and go to whatever, go to Outlinks. And what was the name of the BIPOC organization that you and Susanna were a part of? Yeah, we created. It was called Of Color. Yes. And so I, I think there was maybe at the maximum point, there was, you know, maybe over 30 people yeah. of uh, people of color that are getting together, creating a safe space um, in that regard. Because the one thing, of course, is at that time in the 90s, it was about going to um, clubs. Mm-hmm. But these clubs were also exclusive clubs. They were private clubs. And sometimes in terms of restriction, they would, um, the version of it was a cover charge, Right, they would put a cover charge because women uh, didn't drink as much, didn't have as much money to spend, still wanted to go in and dance, but they still occupied a space when they were there. So, um, to limit or restrict entrance, they would charge a cover. And some people didn't get charged a cover, and some people did. So that that kind of ex- exclusionary practice was in your face. Real. Yeah, and 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 as a woman of color, I remember you and I went to a club. We won't say the name, and they wouldn't let us in because it was myself and two women of color, and we were queer women, and we were women of color, and it was a male gay bar, and they wouldn't let us in. So it was a, it was a lot harder, for sure. Yeah, life was a little bit a little bit different back then. Yeah, yeah, but I have to hats off to the old old Y, which housed so many of it had Seaswag, which housed uh, Herland. Um, Calgary Society of Independent, or Calgary Society of, well, Calgary Society, Status Women Women Action Committee, sorry. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. that's where I met my baby mama, um, because you were packing up the CSPAC office, and you brought her home to our apartment, and that's where I ended up meeting my baby mama. So (laughs) it's all my fault, is that what you're saying, or is it a good thing? It's a good thing, because we have a a beautiful family relationship, we're not together anymore, but we have a beautiful daughter, and we're friends, and I was helping her move yesterday, and we have um, a beautiful relationship, actually. We're family. So uh, thank you. You know what? I, 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 I was just kidding with that because, of course, like I was very close as a filmmaker. Yeah. I was very close to the process of, of your, you know, baby mama making the choices in terms of oh, and why. We made you film some of the, the, the sperm the implantation or the sperm shots. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Because at some point we were going to think about doing a documentary, but... Uh, yeah, no, that's, I'm kind of glad that fell through. And I'm sure our daughter is incredibly happy the footage got lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, so, I mean, and back then, women weren't really thinking about, I mean, you know, that's the forethought about being a certain age as a lesbian, wanting to have a family, going forward, um, doing the things necessary mm-hmm. to create family. Nowadays, it's much different. I mean, we have gay marriage as an option, it wasn't then. It was illegal, hundred percent illegal, right? But the the uh, the vision of being able to go, I want to have children, and this is how I'm going to do it, and I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to protect the situation as well as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that 
that uh, was, you know, revolutionary at the time, frankly. So, you know. Yeah. Yep, indeed. Yeah. So these, I mean, I think we did a lot more in those times to create social situations with these different groups. Yeah. And, wow. and Herland was, I met you at Herland. That's right. At te te Teatros. That was funny. And, um... Yeah, I mean, I mean, you had to go out, and as an introvert, that was very hard. But it forced you to go out, and make friends, and yep. to do things together, and not just sit there in the chat online. It it was a different kind of interaction when you got the full body experience of the person you're talking to. Yep. And I think that's different. I think it's very different than what some of the people are dealing with now. I agree, absolutely. Yep. In fact, I don't even know how I would survive in an atmosphere today of being having to use social media. It, I, I I think I've, I'm too sensitive to it. I'm too, it feels too vulnerable to me. I know it's kind of funny because people nowadays, is, it's just the way that it is. But perhaps for me as a woman over 50, 50, it, oh, it just feels like a. We're all over 50. Holy shit. Yeah, it just, but we don't look like we're over 50. So that's a good no. Good skin, moisturizer. Yeah. Living in Calgary, you got to moisturize. That's right. When, and and when, uh, when uh, younger lesbians say well where are the older lesbians where are they and i remember having that same um com you know comment as well and it's like uh well i can answer it now 30 years later by saying well i went on and lived my life life uh, worked on my career yeah and you know my sh needs shifted into things like you know um getting a house building a career saving, saving for retirement or, you know, that kind of thing. Like a lot of things came up that, that, I don't know, maybe took away from, not that I didn't enjoy volunteering to the community, for the community, but it's definitely being in twenties and thirties was a time of, of really like, that's an exciting time. I, you I, have the energy, the time, yeah. the motivation, yeah. the ideas. Um, yeah. Life hasn't quite dealt you so many you know, challenging experiences yet, the Absolutely. optimism. Yeah. Um, and you're young and skinny, you can eat chips and pizza and never get fat. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, in the 20s and 30s, we, we, we weren't really at that point yet of po pulling up our, our big girl panties. Um, uh, and know, we were going commando. What do you mean, panties? Right. Exactly right. So, That's right. There was a big thing about going commando back in the 90s. Something wow. like that. Um, yeah, and it, it, it was, and then, you know, life takes a, a little bit, life takes over and, and a lot of that focus. And uh, I do remember back in the day, um, w you know, the focus of, um, uh, identity and gender was a really, really important concept for us. And it was an important identity for us and how, and how we wanted to move forward with it and how we put it into the community. And we were very active, very, very active. So, um, and I don't, I, I, I because I'm not in that same activism at the moment or even even in the later, you know, last few years, I don't know how that is or how that goes, but I think it's different. The activism is different now. Well, I still feel, you know, what I love what language has done in the last five, five to eight years, and I'll kind of talk a little bit about that. But in terms of I still consider myself ridiculously part of the binary system where in my mind uh, you were gay, straight, or, you know, gay, straight. Butch femme. Butch femme. Like there was still a, those two choices. Dichotomies. Exactly. And I'm amazed by what's happened with 
everything's a spectrum now. Thank you. Yeah. Around, you know, gender, sexual identity. Like, I, I, like I said, I kind of see it as a binary thing nowadays. What, I'd, like, I'd like to hear your comments on what you think it is now. Yeah. Oh, passing over to me. Uh, it, I... I, I have a lot of points of view on this and not to ruffle any feathers, but I, I, I feel there's um, from, you know, I, I think back in the day, there, there was not even an option to even consider being attracted to someone of the same gender. And that was how restrictive it was. And that was how um, really, really restrictive and al- almost prohibitive. And so I think it's gone. So that pendulum that pendulum has really swung the other way. And it's almost everything. Um, Anything you think or want to think, you just put it on the table and label it as that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm not saying that pendulum is good. I'm not saying that pendulum is bad. I don't want to get myself in trouble here. But uh, I do feel like what's happening with the kids lately is that um, I I, I will add that I do feel there's a... uh, I'm I'm glad that I'm not a, a kid right now because I feel there's a lot of potential confusion happening uh, in 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 trying to understand what is uh, available. I mean, and really, if everything is available, is that because uh, they feel that's true for themselves, or is that because society is saying that it, that should or or could happen? So, um, yeah, that's uh, a little bit of a taste of where I can go with that. So you're talking about all the options that all are being options. talked about nowadays. I mean, I know two other families that are de- that um, are not dealing with, but that have trans kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there were it was always trans kids, but they weren't they weren't allowed to talk about it. And now it's so open, like literally in schools, when there's a trans kid, I'm I'm more touched with the fact that the kids within their own classrooms and stuff except you know it's no big deal to them like it truly is no big deal to them i don't think that's the case i think there's i think uh, trans and, and uh, gender fluid uh young people still face are obviously the minority i think the people that support them as allies are the minority speaking from as a mother whose daughter is now 21 has gone through junior high in the public system in high school it uh, gay street alliances are very important um, Alberta's had a struggle with accepting gay straight alliances. And um, yeah, our queer kids are still in a lot of, like, a lot of schools are not safe spaces. And so, um, yeah, just my, my daughter said to me, she goes, You realize that of all the kids in, in our attachment parenting group that I played with as, as a little girl, I'm pretty much the only one that is a typical straight heterosexual girl. And I'm like, yeah, because we the parents were attachment parenting, which was very much you let your child grow into the person they were born to be, and you don't impose cultural norms or pressures on them to be someone they're not. It was an enlightened group of parents. Um, and I think, just going back to something you said, Michelle, I think if we were born in this day and age, and you and I have both discussed how we look at each other as butch women, and I call you my brother. And we use, like, there's a, a butch masculinity that we both agree is very different from cis male heterosexual masculinity. And we embrace it. And I would wonder if we were teenagers in this day and age, would we be trans, 
trans kids, right? We'll be, we'll be trans men or boys or whatever you, you know, the label is. If we had those options, would we have pursued those options as butch women? And, and of course, we don't know the answer. Uh, I still enjoy being a woman. I have never really contemplated being a trans man, but definitely the loneliness of being in the closet in high school. And there's a lot of queer kids still in the closet. It's not free and easy. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's, there's, there's a lot of and the young people, by being out, uh, are making a statement and still suffering a lot of bullying or marginalization by teachers or principals that don't understand, don't want to understand. And and to be fair, it's a generational thing, right? I don't claim to understand everything either, but it's my community, and I can see these young people as our children, right? Well, I can definitely see the difference in how um, kids have models today than we had as young mm. young kids. I mean, I can turn on social media, or sorry, I can turn on streaming. And I can see four different mainstream, like dominant shows, and they they all feature, you know, a trans kid, a queer kid. uh, Like it's amazing to me the variety and the diversity, the cultural diversity of these characters. Like I have seen huge strides. If Cam was here, you know, I'd probably ask her what she she saw in terms of the L word, which was primarily a very white, um, character driven series still very important but well, the mostly white. next generational is much more representational have you seen it no i haven't it's really interesting they have trans but i'm watching much more bipoc characters and yeah yeah and and so kids today have the option to see their own mm-hmm. um, experiences reflected and i think that has a huge impact also on what what kids are doing in terms mm-hmm. of you know kareen you talked about like all the choices mm-hmm. that that, we, that we, are there we had, we had will and grace <laughs> oh gosh! Right. Well, I mean, two two lesbian movies, you know, right. that are still iconic. You know, Desert exactly. Hearts is still iconic. Desert personal Hearts best. and uh, Personal Best, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But I mean, uh, like that's the difference. I think also, like we talk about Butch Fam, which are still right. That's a still that's right a binary, you know, definition. Yeah. Um. And and I when I talked about language, like what was exciting to me was dating someone that struggled with the ongoing sense of, but I'm not gay. Like, I don't understand this. We have a connection, but I'm not gay. I know I'm not gay. And I said, no, I know you're not gay either, but we, we seem to have come together and we have this connection. And, and it went on for many, many years, actually, of going, this kind of doesn't make sense. Like, how does this work and fit? But then language began to change. Language began to be shared. And, and then one day it was like a light bulb went off and she went, Ah, I'm pansexual. That's what's going on. And and so it was like, you know, language is having an impact on what is happening, what is happening between people, but without, you know, now we have words to describe it. So that narrowness of, well, if I'm not gay, then that doesn't make sense, and so I'm not going to get in a relationship with you. That's fine. I don't want you to, to be uncomfortable, but that actually was what was happening. So that's the excitement that I see around ideas around language. Yeah, and I and I do feel as well. And what you're saying, I do feel language is um, prohibitive in being able to describe 
uh, let's say, as you're, as you're sharing, what, how two people feel. But then it has to be fit into a construct of words and language that therefore we have to attach meaning. And I, I completely understand that point of view in that, can we just be? And why is it that then we have to take this construct of language and start fitting, fitting the language into it when, when actually it's, it's absolutely beyond language? And uh, even, even, you know, they, them, that's a construct of language that's already has fit into some other category. Um, and it's, it's really challenging to take language and trying, and trying to uh, uh, apply it to the way someone is, the, who some, how someone feels and the way their, their existence is. I think it's really limiting and I think it's caused a lot of problems even at that. So I get the binary, I totally get that, but at some point even does it, you know, are, and, and maybe, you know, this is a round table even for us and how do we define who we are in that now? Um, does it come into the binary? Does it, is, is, is it just blown open and it's, it's a whatever? Thank you for tuning in to CJSW 90.9 FM. You're currently listening to the Dykes on Mics reunion special. In order to listen back to this entire episode or listen to more original podcast series, go to cjsw.com and click on the podcast tab or use the talk filter on the CJSW app. Well, I used to use them and they because I was closeted. And if someone asked me if there was someone I was attracted to, that's when I would use those words. So Ooh, there's a very, very a old thing exactly. for me. I would, yeah, and I would say, I well, they do this and yeah. they do that. Yeah. And when I, so for me, when I, it's a challenge for me to relearn that word because of how I use that mm-hmm. word as as a place where I felt a I could not mechanism. say she. It's not descriptive. That's right. It was more generalized. Exactly. But it was a defense. Oh, it absolutely was you used, to protect myself. Yeah, I mean, can we say what your former profession was? Yeah. Yeah, you were a teacher, a high school teacher, and you were in the closet. And it wasn't safe for you to be your authentic self. So then they became a defensive, strategic, in-the-closet method to protect your private life. Yeah. And, and, but people at the time didn't really think no. to ask, no. what do you mean them? Do you mean he or she? Like that th- wasn't, yeah, that wasn't how it, it was used at all. Exactly. No. It wasn't part of it nowadays. So now when, when I use them yeah. and they, a part of me does kind of default into, okay, well, we all know there's conversations around gender and sexual orientation. And so, so when a person wants to be them, they, then, then, do you have a body memory or do you have a feeling when you hear them, they, that it triggers you into feeling how the them, they was part of your camouflage and sort of an oppressive, oppressive um, forced use of that pronoun for you? That's interesting. I don't think uh, this generation, my daughter's generation, would even contemplate that them they, them, they, for them, is such a freeing, um, non-binary uh, descriptor that... In, but in our generation, it, and I did that too. There was when I had to be in the closet. I mean, <laughs> I used it too. I think that's a, a big thing. Our generation and the generations before us. And that's why use. I always do slip up, and you know, I might see a female appearing person and go she, 
because I almost want to honor that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a body? Do you have a body memory? Like, I mean, sure, you can go back to moments in your life where you were forced to use them. They and there was a, a like a body memory. Ugh. Like, in, because I had so many isms because I was like Chinese and from mm-hmm. a small town yeah. and and being closeted. There are so many pieces that were rolling around that I was still trying to sort out. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know, Vic, that I have a specific kind of thing that happened, but I do know when I am asked to, to use them, they, that's, that's where I get mixed up. It's, it's not to dis, dis that young person. Mm -hmm. It's because of my own, and and it's not because I'm unconsciously not thinking about it. It, 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 it catches me up in a different way. You know, it's almost like having English as a second language that you're translating from your first language into English and and there's a nuance from the, your original language or understanding of those those terms that will always be there, and you have to consciously filter and translate. Yeah, Absolutely, because we want to be respectful. I mean, kids these days are—I see it as our future. I'm excited. I mean, I was interviewed by um, a they them um, a few months ago. They're doing research around the lesbian community, and they wanted to talk to different people. And and this is the pronoun that was presented to me, and. Um, this person was late twenties, and I was super excited. All I wanted to do was ask, like, "What are you doing? Are you creating groups? Are you getting together?" You know, and and of course, kind of laughed in the whole, uh, you know, hookups within the groups, right? Like, there's some good people they get together, and then of course there's a synergy. Then they hook up, then that affects the group. And I thought, oh, right, this is it's still going on. There, no matter the words we use, as you said, Kareen. Like it's love, it's people. We're still running, running into and looking at the same issues thirty years thirty years ago that we are now. Absolutely, and I, I do feel there is a much more of a fluidity within what what we what we're looking at within gender as well, and so many more. Therefore, and we're talking about language, more languaging that is being uh, applied to to really. I feel to try and assist and help and. Uh, help the people in the mind to, you know, as we do, as we categorize it all, um, to try and explain what is happening. But we kind of missed your point, though. How do we identify ourselves now? Let's Maybe let's start with how we did when we were in Dykes on Mikes in the late 90s and how we would do it now as who we are at this stage of life. Well, my answer is boring then because I still <laughs> I identified as a lesbian then, and I still like even with in the film in the film business, they have they're asking people to self-identify and share that information because they're trying to collect up also representational information on a government level. And so there there are different systems that have been set up and people would go online and answer these questions as as most as they would want to. And I still when I'm ticking off the boxes because there's there there is I prefer not to say you know, yes, no, prefer not to say, all these different differentiations, and I still actually mark lesbian. Like, when I see it, it's like a principle for me. Like, I want to be counted on that level, that that's how I see myself. So that's not changed for me. Uh, Yeah, and and if I go even back to, you know, back in the day, uh, I definitely, I I would say lesbian, queer, uh, and... However, I, I will sort of pause there and say, and it 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 didn't matter to me though, um, because what I I always took what I felt to be real and right, because there was so much 
kickback and bash, backlash back then that uh, what what the way I felt was primary. And whatever I called myself, it was a name. Like, I'll throw a little bit of uh, Eckhart Tolle in there, in here. And he says, you know, we, we call things. Like, this, that's, that, that, that's a tree. That is a uh, sky. That is a car. And he said, really, what we're doing is, is we're programming people into saying that's in actuality what it is. And what, what he suggests is, is that that is called a tree. That is called a car. And that that's the what that's what we label it as. So it's whatever labels we come to at, to something with that we uh, attribute the meaning to. So the meanings that whatever lesbian was or whatever queer was, I agreed with that for myself. But I would have to say then that I still I still stepped out of that, um, and not that I really would say anything else around that. Um, but it was. But I'm more than that. I'm not just the label of what you believe that that is for you, because that's what you're going to give back to me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Well, I, I would say just going back. Uh, I always knew I was different. I always knew I had an attraction to women right from a very young age, and um, growing up again, small town Alberta. Um, no role models um, that I, I lean towards um, the African-American um, community with Malcolm X and, and the music and stuff as non-white otherness. I was attracted to other groups on the fringe, right? And I remember being at home um, for lunch from junior high and watching Donahue and seeing a lesbian fraternity group being interviewed by Phil Donahue. And I didn't know what that word lesbian was. And when I watched that, my mind blew up because up until that point, I thought I was alone. I thought I was weird. I was alone. I knew I had to keep everything secret. I was scared of violence. I was scared of losing my family. But when I looked, found that word and I went <laughs> back to junior high to the library and started looking it up in dictionary, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, I am this. And the world opened up. And there wasn't much I could find. I mean, when I went to University of Lethbridge, I think I found maybe three books that had lesbian in the title and one of them was lesbian nuns and that wasn't a big turnaround let me tell you I was like really sad and, and shitty but um but then I I knew some community was out there and it became in my late teens the task of finding where the lesbian community was because that's what I was and the magic of finding that door opening up and so for me language was very freeing and gave me a line of hope that I would find others um, and I wouldn't be alone anymore. And that loneliness of not knowing how you feel if you're the only one that feels that um, is really debilitating. And that's why I think queer kids have the highest rate of um, suicide. And so as much as language has evolved, expanded, now a spectrum um, those, I see all these terms that are coming out as lifelines to individuals that lets them know they are not alone. And I think that's what language is supposed to do. It has, it has, you know, negative, people use it as any other tool that humans as animals do. But the most beneficial tool, I think, is that it brings us together. We're not alone. We can see ourselves and communicate to one another that we are 
if not the same, related, and we use language to to bridge the gaps, to 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 explain how as best you can. You can never get the full on feeling, but the language is a tool to bridge the feeling, right? So when I look into your both your eyes and say, "I love you guys," I'm using language, but I'm also sending you that energy at the same time. It can be that kind of tool, and and yeah, so yeah. That's that's my experience with the world. That's been I would say, in my when we were doing Dom, I was <laughs> young, dumb, and full of cum, as they say. I was just in my twenties, looking to get laid. All the pretty ladies, and I would say that I would describe myself as a lesbian butch boy, B O I, because that was a thing. And sometimes switch, I meaning you could go top and bottom because you know you're looking for love in all the wrong places. I'd say now, as a 55-year-old woman, I think, I mean, it, it comes into, it is much more multifaceted because as you grow older and you have your life experience and people come to mean things to you and you come to mean things to other people, those those language identifiers become much different. I'd, I'd have to say, if I had to put them in list of priority, I'd say mother, woman, lesbian, and then whatever else, right? Occupation, all that stuff doesn't really matter, you know? But that, that's the core for me is, uh, is those three things. And I would add in butch, of course. I still very much see myself as butch because finding myself as a butch woman and finding a community of other butches, like having you and Cam, for example, uh, you know, strong butch ladies and having fun with them, not feeling threatened, you know, just being in a, a brotherhood of butchdom was, is amazing. Well, I tried to kind of, uh, I don't know if it's the last last of our kind or whatever, because I, uh, oh so many things, like so <laughs> many things, yeah, spiral up, of course, because because obviously with, with as you say, with kids today and trans and, and uh, like, to me, my whole life has been about coming to terms with the cards I've been given. Mm -hmm. So surgery wasn't an option, even if I, I was frustrated as a young, you know, young girl in my family, seeing the roles, seeing what men were doing and women were expected to do, and knowing that I didn't fit in and that I was different, and the word was tomboy back then. That mm -hmm. was the word that was used to describe sort of like girls that wanted to do things kind of like boys would want to do. But it, it was more like, as we'd say, a phase and it was a, a lifestyle or a reality. So for me, my life's been about coming to terms with with being Chinese and what did it really mean in a small town and, and you know, deconstructing and reconstructing what that means for me and as a woman and feminism and what feminism was able to open up my mind to and then also being lesbian, being gay, being lesbian, yet I never heard the word until I was 18. I mean, it's um, unheard of now that you wouldn't hear that word. You know, I didn't see a computer till I was 17. But the point is, it was still something that I felt I had to come to terms with. And I'm not, I'm not sure. And I'm, and as you'd say, Corrine, I'm, I'm not trying to make judgment of anyone. But it, it is a different world now, mm -hmm. where the option to 
switch, as you'd say, Vicky. Uh, uh, to me, the difference between a trans a trans person is, I think, the idea that being born in in an incorrect body type mm-hmm. that I think that's that seems to be the line to me, mm-hmm. and more so than just being able to to switch because I I do believe some young people feel and can see it's harder to live in one gender than another. It's harder to um, have the attraction of one gender to another if you feel like, well, I, I like gay is a longer road than straight, frankly. Um, and yet I, I look at trans uh, people that choose a trans path, and I know it's not an easy one. It blows my mind. I don't, I don't think I could walk that path. Um, but you know, my path was accepting the cards that I were, I was dealt and, and it's become the diversity of who I am as a woman, as a lesbian, as a butch, um, as Chinese, like it is the core of who I am and everything that makes up who I am. So the option of changing any of those pieces that, I mean, I'm not trying to be transphobic. I'm talking about my own experience. That's the journey that I made. Mm-hmm. And and I feel quite whole now as as an older uh, woman to to embracing all those things, the challenge of embracing all of those things and the comfort of it, and knowing that that's that that's who I am. You're listening to the Dykes on Mike's reunion special on CJSW ninety point nine FM. And I think, you know, that that's the most important aspect, uh, particularly and hopefully as we do um, gain our wisdom, as we have, hopefully, that we come into a place of really just acceptance of who we are, whatever it is that we choose or decide to label or call or name ourselves as, um, you know, and I even, I don't even... I, and it might be somewhat evident in the sort of the languaging and labeling that I sort of I've talked about in just the last while here. And I've 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 really just let go of it all. I've let go of the the yes, I'm a woman, absolutely, and I'm happy to be a woman. And uh, when I initially realized that it was even possible to have. Um, that there was a community of other women who enjoyed other women's company. It was in London in a bar in a in a in a very large um, setting, and I was amazed. I had never seen that, and in London, England, and it was a big deal, and it was a big place, and it just blew my mind because I couldn't couldn't put into context what my feelings were because that wasn't mirrored back to me, and that wasn't reflected. So, um, in that. Uh, you know, to me, it's about feeling. And to me, it's about how can, even at the time that I was young, and we were young, how can our feelings be uh, affirmed and supported, not even affirmed, but just supported, and not having to run into a closet where we have to, uh, where we have to hide our identity. And if anything, and where we where we come from now is that Hopefully and thankfully, we can be at ease and we can be full in full acceptance of who we are and how, in whatever way we choose to identify. And I've, I've, I've maybe even gone beyond the labels and, you know, in my own, um, again, maybe a roundtable where we're, we're landing and going to is that 
I'm more going into a deeper aspect of who I am uh, that extends beyond the words into, uh, you know, into my soul and into my spirit and and that 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 is completely expansive and doesn't even hold hold any any labels there because that's it, it it's um it that that's just too expansive but within that yes i am here to have an exp- human experience and this is what i've chosen um and it's and and that and i i really do value that uh, in the time, in 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 these years, and there were certainly decades where it's like, and and what is this, and what is that decade, and what is this decade, and my forties were a little bit of a, oh my gosh, um, a little bit of losing self, and then in fifties is a little bit, wow, even more finding self, mm-hmm. and I can't even imagine where the sixties are going. So, um, the twenties and thirties were honestly, they were so much fun. Mm-hmm. They really were because because it was really for me about the adventure. So I do find in the decades of the 50s, there is just more wisdom being laid down within me and even deeper self-reflection, if that's even possible. And the, the, just the, the forward movement into a deeper questioning of who am I on a level that even transcends uh, what I even thought could even be possible. So that's kind of where, I'm land, where I've landed, actually. You know, what's exciting is 30 years later, the I find the seed of each of us and what what who we are if we can define it is is the same, but we've we've expanded it that experience. So for example, because we didn't really talk about kind of our backgrounds, but my interest has always been even when I was young um, in film and television, and I've had the great honor to have lived a life in which I've been able to pursue. Yes, I became a teacher, but that was because. That was my way of getting into the arts. And I was in a small town and, and the options weren't that large. And so in university is when I had the opportunity to get like the practical jobs that your parents can relate to, which was as a teacher. But it didn't take long to realize that that's not where my passion was. It was actually in the creation of the work. And But 30 years later, I can zoom forward and go, yeah, we did. We did, you know, uh, Herland for almost like a decade myself, never mind the fact that the festival itself went, I think, for almost 25 years and was a, a, a venue for showing women's film and video, but then to go on and build a career and then, you know, be able to now mentor in the same way I was mentored in my 20s to be able to help um, filmmakers now in my 50s to make work has been, uh, you know, and, and to also, like I know so much more around television and film and how things come together and why they come together and and uh the stories that are being told but maybe each of you can share like what you were about at the beginning of dykes on mics and what you've learned about yourself now sort of come 30 years later i was a bar star and i was looking for chicks uh, yeah, you're still a bar star looking for chicks, Vic. No, I'm not, though. I actually would say that um, thanks to the beauty of menopause and not having Aunt Flo come visit me and giving her a one-way ticket to to Reno, um, and she, Aunt Flo <laughs> doesn't knock on my door no more, thank God. And my daughter comes to visit me, and I got nothing for Aunt Flo in my bathroom. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm free. I'm free of the hormones that drove me to a lot of stupid things that I did. At the bars in Calgary in the 90s, <laughs> where I woke up, and holy smokes. Um, but I would say, yeah, the 20s were about being repressed. So, like, growing up, 
until I came in was just being repressed, 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 and not, and just protecting and trying to stay safe. I would say as, as, a as a young person, um, and then coming out that, I mean, you were there that night and I came out and, and that year of coming out was the best year of my life. And from then twenties were fun. It was an adventure. How many different people can I meet that feel the same way? Um, and getting laid. I mean, God, like I didn't get laid till I was 21. Like, damn. Right. Like, but that's a big thing for a young person, right. To have the experience of intimacy and then to grow from intimacy, to grow into how to have a relationship and learning emotional boundaries and all that stuff. But yeah, the twenties were, were just about meeting people, having fun, going to Lilith Fair, going, you know, to whatever wine and cheese poetry reading that blah, 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 like doing all those neat, fun things that in a small town you never knew existed. Right. Like you took me to my first uh, live theater performance of Unidentified Human Remains written by Brad Fraser. Um, and that blew my mind, right? That that particular play with a gay protagonist blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like that. And getting into your 30s, you know, it was like, yeah, it is about career, right? And in my 30s, I got into law school. I met my baby mama. Um, we were 34 when, when we had our daughter. And that changes everything everything and it's kind of interesting because I never thought I would ever like have a partner in a marriage-like situation with a child because I'm lesbian man free that ain't never gonna happen to me and then my baby mom said hey you know there's this thing called a fertility clinic and you can get sperm and donors and all this stuff and also I got a little baby in my arms that's looking to me to take care and be everything and keep her safe and be her kind of guardian angel your heart opens up in a way that that no other love can do to you. So it's kind of interesting because I don't know if you remember our friend Maureen. I won't say her last name from Edmonton that we used to party with our coming out crowd. But she and her partner um, just had the marriage of their first son. Wow. <laughs> and I don't have, in Calgary, I don't have any lesbian friends from our time that I know of that have had a child and gone through that experience. And I can't wait if my daughter decides to do that, but to have one lesbian friend that I knew in our 20s that had the same experience of parenthood and being two lesbian moms and having to educate every teacher at parent-teacher interviews and having been the only lesbian or same-sex parents at your kid's grade 9 graduation and everyone staring at you and some people not wanting to play with your kids because, oh, she's got two moms. Like that whole experience, but also seeing that uh, my daughter being raised by two women, she is confident. She is feminist. She has a great analysis. She is a miracle, and I'm so proud of her, and I love her so much. And she's doing great. She's at clean. She's doing great. She's on track to having a wonderful life, and she doesn't take crap from anybody. And just being a part of that, supporting that it's been amazing so the 30s and 40s were that working a crappy job to take care of my baby and I feel a lot of sacrifices just like our parents sacrificed for us and now you have an understanding of why your parents were the way they were and it becomes in your 30s and 40s it's not about having a gay experience it's about having a, a human experience and then and we were going to talk about this uh, the 50s has become more, oh, kids don't need you. Oh, my God, I got free time. I can stay up all night playing Baldur's Gate 3. I can do whatever I want. But at the same time, my mom celebrated her 80th birthday on Friday. 
My father passed away this year. My sister passed away a year and a half ago. So, and I know we've all had losses in our families. So it's now that journey is, yeah, you know, really, if I'm going to get things right, I need to focus on the wisdom, the feelings of my soul in this particular time. And I'll just maybe just leave it as that as far as like what decades are. This is a scary decade for health, to see your own mortality, for people you have loved and always assume would be there, and they're not. And how to navigate that. It's, it's a bit frightening. It's a bit overwhelming. But at the end of the day, it's also, I wonder what death is going to be like. Like, so that moment when, so this is what it is. And it's approaching. And how I want to manifest the end of this journey and then open up to the next journey is really where so much of this time right now is is really in the thought process of guided meditation, yoga, all that stuff, to kind of just create how I want this journey to wrap up. And then what's next, right? The great unknown, coming back to the spiritual everything, right? So it's a really special time. You know what I mean? Like it's a really special time when you can connect not just with people, with with yourself in a way that you've never been able to before. Yeah, th- thanks, Vic. That was that was great. Um, indeed, indeed. Uh, and just sort of retrospecting back, I I too went into teaching, uh, and uh, it was. It was firstly in Japan and then back into the public system in Calgary, and that it just did that didn't I didn't feel it was supportive. So that really though led me into uh, the really the world of of energy, um, Reiki, clinical hypnotherapy, and I started to do what was really uh, a passion of really who I am. And I think, Michelle, you, you echoed that in that you can see seeds of who we are now and as to who we were. And, uh, and I do feel that as well. And, and if anything, we've expanded into that. So uh, I, it was um, a process of self-recognition that that is who, who I was and more, more of self-acknowledgement. And it's really, again... Self acceptance. I know Vic, we you know you're leading on that one um, before, and so it really is a process as time continues to further and further come into that space of self acceptance of, and why am I here, and what is this incarnation about for me? So it was really, um, and I, you, you alluded to it a little bit, Vic, in, in terms of, you know, people leaving this planet. And one of my big ones was my brother. And not to go into, into any details, but one of the absolute gifts that came from that experience was that not only did he end up not knowing that he wasn't even gone, because he was actually a missing person, but he ended up coming through, shall I say, the physical reality and giving messages to me that um, I couldn't understand. And so 
he he would uh, his name would appear on license plates. His name would appear on the the sandwich boards in deli shops. His name would appear on 3M sticky notes in a random person's uh, office. And it became evident to me that this was purposeful and that he was communicating to me and that this was my my initiation into the, uh, let's just say, in the initiation into there is a very thin veil, if not any veil, between the physical and non-physical realities. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really a big opening for me. And so as we continue in this life journey and things happen to us and uh, it does, de death does reflect uh, a sense of life and what is it that we are doing here. And um, anyway, that was, that was what was reflected to me, but also an incredible opening into, and therefore, if I am picking up on this, then what part of me is that is awakening within me? Mm. So that in itself was an awakening, which I, and, and now I do have a connection with him. And it is, it's a gift. Not, the circumstances of him leaving was certainly not a gift, but it's, we, I, I do understand now we are here for fleeting moments of time that we think is forever. And what happens when we do leave this meat suit, I do believe that... <laughs> We're going to be pretty happy to let it all go, uh, let let all of that which we hold on to or have held on to to let go. But that's just a personal, that's a personal input there. So um, it really has led me to uh, journeying into, as you said, Michelle, the seeds of who I was, even into a deeper way into, as you said, Vic, the soul of the soul of who I am, and even. And even I'm excited to even expand in that even more knowingly uh, this meat suit has a certain amount of time that it can really exist. It's not my mind that I feel my mind is very sharp, but uh, I do feel sometimes those creaks in those knees. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm doing my best to stay fit, but I do know there there's an eventuality to this, you know, the, this bio-organic vessel that will, you know, at some point become part of Earth once again. Can I pick up on that? I think it's so interesting. I'm really lucky that I have a beautiful stepmother um, who was with my dad. A beautiful family. And her family, she, there's five kids. Gay daughter, bisexual daughter, my stepmom, um, and my other aunt, they identify as heterosexual, and then um, my uncle. And, and so growing up in that family where they had queer kids, when my dad came into their lives, he, he, he had an issue with me being gay, and we had an estrangement for a period. But when he got into that family, she knocked that out of him. And so I love my stepmother, and so I'll just get right to the point. Um, her sisters in their 70s are fantastic and have given me a role model on how to age. And they say, you know, every day your norm is shifting and your body is changing and you let go of having to be whatever other people exteriors or even your own interior thinks you should be. And it's whatever you are in that moment, whether it's health or mental, blah, 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 blah. You just, there's a, there's a, a thing you just develop, they say in their sixties and seventies, where this is what God or spirit has given me for this day I'm going to love it, I'm going to work with it, and I'm going to rest when I need to rest, and I'm going to rub some stuff on my hip if I need to rub it on my hip. 
and not worry about the rest, right? There's a, there's a, there, there comes, and I don't know if you guys find this, that the, the focus of being in the now is so much easier to get to, right? It's the future hasn't happened. The past can't hurt you. It's, it's the now. And as you age, I see this very clearly in my aunties in their seventies. They have this ability and it's almost like being hyper-focused on living and breathing in the moment. So when I spend time with those ladies, it is incredibly authentic with nothing, no frills, no conceptions about it. It's just your spirit, my spirit, we're here. It's authentic. It's real talk on a level that you don't get or you couldn't do in your 20s. It's that self-actualization that I think we have now that I don't think we knew then. And then just to jump on top of that, you, you know, it's interesting to me that as an older person, I can say, yeah, I have social anxiety. Yeah, I've had panic attacks. In my 20s, I didn't know what that was. I lived it. I didn't know what those were, right? And now in this day and age, I look at, you know, we can now start talking about that and what triggers those kinds of things and how it affects your soul and your heart. And there's an understanding now um, with how we each cope with stresses in our lives um, and a patience and a compassion with that kind of understanding of those things as well that we didn't have in the 90s. Well, and we're also, you know, it's interesting to have this reunion, retrospection, moving forward. You know, we're zipping through time back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope that people that are listening can appreciate what we're talking about because, of course, when you're young, a lot of things are simpler. Um, they're a lot more straightforward, but they're also a lot more shallow and simplistic in a way. And then as you age and get older, then um, I still have the big question in my mind, Kareen. Like, I appreciate hearing what you have to say about life and death. Um, I, I still think that I'm kind of still sorting through that. But I know that we have a mutual friend that passed away maybe like two and a half years now about and an old, old friend from the past, old, old, meaning she moved away from Calgary over 20, 25 years ago, um, reached out to me. She actually did a bunch of research, found me, reached out to me and said, oh my God, Michelle, uh, I just have to send you, give you a message. Lori keeps coming into my dreams and has been coming into my dream like for a week. And every time she says like, contact Michelle and tell her I'm okay. And, and so Susanda did all the research. And this is a woman that I have not seen since she left Calgary. And, and it's interesting because the core group of the people that I knew at the time, which included like Susanda, yourself, Vicky, Bridget, Bridget, like yeah. all kinds of people have all, you know, have the spiritual, years. yeah, but have that spiritual connection yeah. and core and have pursued, like, this is the meaning of my question was, like the seeds of who we are and then who we became, who, who, who what that seed did in the 30 years that it was planted in the ground, mm-hmm. 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, and, and what it became. Like those, that question is really interesting to me as a, as, as a filmmaker and just because it's life, right? Yeah. The film is about following people's lives. And, but yeah, so that's what happened was Susanda reached out and said, oh, you know, she, because Lori won't won't keep keeps won't stop until I tell you this, That's and of incredible. course that rekindled our friendship. Because I'm just like what, and 
you know, then we started to kind of catch up and share and et cetera and, and, and sort of like what's happening in your life. And she's very spiritual as well. Like, you know, I don't know if spirituality is, um, yeah, like I feel like it truly is at the end point. It's, it's, it's absolutely essential that we understand um, for ourselves, our life as we live it. And as, as we get to those, you know, the back nine, as someone might say, you know, like <laughs> as we're heading towards that last part of it. And I don't, not that this is to be a downer or anything. I, I find it quite fascinating, but I really still am, I'm start trying to come up with what it is for me, that last part. I think it's always uh, changes too, as you go throughout your life, what your purpose is. And your purpose is always moving and changing. And then when you, at least at this stage, you can kind of look back and see what the purposes or what the themes were of your purpose. I agree. And then that's interestingly, especially in the last, let's say, two, three years that we've had the opportunity to maybe think a little bit differently and, and uh, re redirect our, our thoughts in, in different ways than we otherwise have. Uh, through the the social the social uh, implications that have had we've had on ourselves, and that d different questions are coming up in our lives, and uh, how how is it that we want to live our lives, and who do we want to be in our lives, and how do our lives impact who we are, and who how do we impact who we are, and uh, they they're they're incredibly important questions that I have found for me because ultimately, if I'm not if I haven't come to a place of happiness within me and my life or self-acceptance as I continuously strive for, then I'm, I'm not so aligned with that purpose and because my purpose is to, to be at peace and just simply to be at peace and whatever that is. Or happiness, I mean, that there's, a, there's sort of a, a spectrum of happiness that can go everywhere, but to be at peace is, 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 really, is really important to me. So to make to make whatever changes I need to make to come to that space uh, is is something that I really, really in the in the last while kicked into gear because uh, there is a quality of life that becomes more and more apparent. I find as as the as the wisdom continues mm. to to go on. Um, quality of life when I was twenty was about am I having fun. <laughs> and that's still in effect, and that is still part of who I am and a seed of who I am, and I make darn sure that I'm still having fun because, and I, I haven't looped this in yet, but since actually Michelle, uh, Michelle has been my last primary partner. So I haven't been in relationship as that, and I have chosen to be on my own and be in more of a partnership with um, myself, my spirit, my soul. And But that has then been, my gosh, is that then 30 years? And so that's a very different path. And, you know, sort of coming out of the closet, I was kind of giggling to myself a while ago in my own meditation about coming out of the spiritual closet. And I have had to do that, right? And even to myself, Never mind coming out of the you know the 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 lesbian closet or the queer closet or whatever closets they 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 still exist, but it's coming out of the the the, the spiritual closet for me, and that um, it is an, a deep self acceptance of that uh, that is who I am, and 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 looking at my life because you're ta talking about like taking the life that we we've had in the last fifty years and. And I, as I look at it, look at all of these points of time and, and in 
circumstances that have happened or ways that I or decisions that I have made. And they have really all linked together, like, you know, connect the dots or pieces of the puzzle. And it really was purposeful. And I, when I do look back there, are, my my personal reality was very, as and I, as I say, I have, I had already laid it out. And I just listened. And I uh, maybe maybe not so well sometimes, but for the most part, listened and followed that path, that path for me. So if anything, what I see in going forward for me is continuing to continuing to find those pieces of the puzzle and keep putting them into that puzzle for, so that puzzle becomes com more and more whole for me. Fascinating. That's really wonderfully said, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Both of you have shared some really insightful things that, I mean, I continue to learn from both of you and admire both of you. Like, it's such great company to be uh, connected to the, to you both because you're so smart. Well, I think I think the thing is, and let's just bring it back to the show. Yeah, I was going to say, well, uh, we're going to drift off into outer yeah. space here, so let's pull it back no, but, in. but what... This is what the show was about. I think we we come in, we do our intros, uh, we check in. We, we did we a do check, our in. check in, and um, and and then we'd have whatever topic we were talking, or if we had our guest on. Um, let's talk about some of the the shows we actually remember that were instrumental. And I would say top of my list um, was when we had uh, the transgendered woman um, that was the professor at the UC Business School, and that was my first real experience being able to sit down with a trans person and hear them listen to them learn about their experience that has always informed especially now with um uh, the struggle really of civil rights and human rights is really on the trans community they have been folk layers are focused by all the alt rights and conservative fa factions in, in the world as targeting and being you know, that's who the trans community is really leading the way and taking the majority of, unfortunately, negative energy for the rest of us. They are leading the charge in some ways. And and having that experience was very informative for every trans person I met since. And, and I hadn't really, I mean, obviously you're in the queer community, you know there's trans people, but I hadn't actually had that sit down before and it I was what 27 and hey this is just a human just like me boy it was it a real pleasure to meet her so that was one mine and I'll pass it on to you guys you know I think for me was um and was we had listeners that we didn't know about that would turn on the show and uh we did get an email from a woman that talked about how when our show was going to roll around. She would take her her Walkman and her 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 um, headset, and she would walk around for an hour. She was married, um, and this our show was like this oasis of information that she really enjoyed uh, listening for the hour. And it 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 became clear through the emails that you know she she knew she was in a marriage, a heterosexual marriage that didn't quite fit her. But she was really attracted to to our show and what we were talking about. And then we got emails where she was like exploring um, that perhaps she was a lesbian. And 
And um, and we were like, oh, great, you know, this is we have a radio show. It's about lesbian life. You know, th- this is super. And then we didn't hear for many, many months. And then we did get an email later in which the woman wrote and said, oh, I've, I've just been exploring my own sexuality, and I realized that I'm not a lesbian. I'm trans. And that was a mind blower. Wow. Because back then, it was still very new. But she was sharing her moment by moment experience with us, mm-hmm. and and I know that that we, you know because we thought, oh great, the story's over, you know, she's like going into the women's community, and that'll be that. But no, she went further because it didn't quite fit her. And of course, we've come to understand now, you know, things like gender and orientation are are separate in a way, mm-hmm. right? One can change one can change your physical gender, but not change your sexuality. So. So obviously, you know, this was, um, so that, that made, made a huge impact on me just because doing a show that was going out into the city of Calgary and having the impact that it had changed, changed a person's life, that, that to me was, um, you know, that, that stands out for me as, as a kind of like a moment for Dykes on Mikes. Yeah, affirming what we were doing, throwing out a lifeline to people. Yeah, I I would echo that as well. Uh, what what was most impactful for me? I don't know that I could actually. Well, l- let's just say I just really enjoyed us all getting together, and it was mm-hmm. so much fun. It was just so much fun as we sit here now, and I listen to 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 us now, and it's just such a beautiful uh, r- retrospective memory coming back and through. That 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 was one thing. It was it, the the fun of it, and uh, secondly. It really was hearing the people's stories and how what they heard affected them and their whether it was their questioning or their not understanding how to move forward or at that time as well as we we clearly discussed the challenges as it were to um to to come out and then have this this venue of being able to listen and and know that there were voices out there that were talking about it in a way that uh, my gosh we we talked <laughs> in ways that no one else did uh similarly as we do now but uh, um i think that just was most heartwarming for me was that people people were touched and it, it at least helped some people well let's talk about some funny stuff like we were just um talking about um uh, how much trouble did we get in at CGSW? Uh, and I remember our, <laughs> our episode with Michelle's straight friend, and he came Brad, on. Brad, yeah, Brad, and when he came on, <laughs> we were talking about. Um, I think he went to New Orleans and. Had, oh yes, yeah yeah yeah, 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 for sure. We, I, I can't. I don't know if I can repeat that story, but yeah. I, I thought for sure he was going to leap through the window at one point, and. Uh, no, yeah, because but here's the thing: we were talking about like how butch women have so many things in common with cis straight heterosexual men, and it and we didn't even have that language then. Straight guys, straight guys, and butch women. Let's just have a free for all. Let's have a talk. And so it was really fun talking talking to him and and just realizing how much we have in common. That we can laugh together. We can get in a room together. We're not that different. In fact, we you know we're watching football and wearing um, boxer shorts and all that kind of stuff. So that was. A hugely funny one, but I think we got a little bit explicit, and we got pulled into the manager's office, and I got suspended. <laughs> well, I always said that show, I kind of knew this about Brad, because I worked with him at the job and brought him in, and he's a very funny guy, too. And mm-hmm. and, and I would always say um, straight men and lesbians 
share a commonality, mm-hmm. which is our mutual love of women. Yep. And and that was the core of of our conversations, of our interactions, and even of him coming on to the show, because ultimately that that's really what it was about. So I I always find. And maybe because when I was a kid, some of my best friends, I get to say that, right? Some of my best friends are straight white guys. Mm-hmm. But it, it truly, to me, is, is because of that, that um, thing, which was loving women and wanting to understand. And, of course, Brad was more than willing to try to want to understand. But the great thing, too, was he was really honest and upfront about the differences. Yes. Right? And yeah. how men look at sex and how lesbians look at sex and we do the what is it yeah third date you're moving in together remember the oh, yeah, that's thing right. we had at the end of <laughs> that's right. he's perfect apple right where because the women innately and we're socialized to have emotional connections and men you know like getting a blowjob is not sex to them right at least that's what he was trying to say it's a very different thing how straight men and lesbians approach sex and commitment and intimacy and and that was the really eye-opening about that. Well, I can tell that story because I know that you want me to tell it. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll tell it very quickly. Like we we were talking to, to Brad about, I just basically said, Brad, would you ever accept a blowjob from another man? And he's like, no, uh, no way. Uh, uh, uh. Like, okay, fine. You know, and he, and he always held to that. Whenever we'd have lunch, have a conversation, something would come up. And, and then, you know, one day we were just hanging out and, and, and he said, you know, Michelle, I worked for a company and we would have these uh, conferences and he had this uh, funny like thousand kilometer rule, which meant if you were a thousand kilometers away from your partner, all bets were off. And that's what he called it. I'm like, oh, that's funny for lesbians. It would have to be like a 3000 kilometer rule because <laughs> a thousand kilometers is just not going to work. And so he told me a story about how he went to New Orleans and uh, there was a conference there and there's the French quarter where all his crazy things happen. And he went into a bar and um, he found himself in a bathroom getting a blowjob from someone in the French Quarter. And uh, I'm like, okay. And he says, yeah, Michelle. So I'm just like, there, there I am. So that's good things going on. And he goes, and I looked down and you know what I saw? I'm like, Brad, no, what? He goes, an Adam's apple. <laughs> I'm like, Brad, oh my God. I said, what did you do? And he goes, I closed my eyes and I looked away. <laughs> so, of course, that was a hugely funny moment yeah. because basically it's like, you know, as a, as a straight white male, he was willing to kind of cross the line and reveal you know, like in the same way that I was revealing things about yeah. what I understood um, in terms of, you know, being a woman, how women think. He was doing the same in terms of how guys think. And that I found incredibly funny and, and very enlightening. Super enlightening. Yeah. Because yeah. because I always, to me, the idea of men and women, like part of it is just like lifting the veil and sharing the information yeah. in a way that that actually brings us together. You know, like we could laugh about it. And I was like, ha ha ha, you know, I knew it. And he's like, shh, don't say anything. Can't don't let my, you know, friends know about it. But it was, it's that kind of connection. Well, that, that's the great thing about Dykes and Mike's. It was, we talked and we talked to everybody. We talked to each other. We talked to our guests. We talked to everybody. And hearing an authentic, sincere, I want to know, what's your experience? 
that was the coolest thing about it. Yeah, that's what I really loved. We were willing to, we, we were on the edge and we were willing to go to the edge and over yeah. the edge. Over the oh, edge. I remember, oh. remember when we, the, uh, what was it, the polyamorous couple? We had them on the show. They talked about it. And then oh, yeah. and then we ended up going to that club, right? That was, you know, everyone's like, oh, swing clubs, where are they? And we're like, well, actually, they're right beside the old Ikea <laughs> on 32nd Avenue. Yeah. We're like, what? And it was like, yeah, there's a club there, and that's where people swing. And, and you're just like, okay, we have to go. We have to go and see this because people talk about it, and here we have the opportunity. And, of course, we did go. And chicken out. I chickened out. Ah, no need to chicken out. Well, anyway. It wasn't that interesting. Yeah. You know, you walk in and you think you're going to see like open sex everywhere on the floor in the corners. Really, that was cowboys. But, <laughs> but we thought we would see it here in this club. And of course, uh, we didn't, right? I mean, people are people and they're normal. And, and, and it, it's the same thing as what I think about in terms of even when, when I came out. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to see, what it'd be like. And then going to the community center and kind of like being there 10 minutes early and running up and, and kind of hiding in a spot and then the, hearing the door open and the people come in and they all start chatting with each other and it's all very normal and eventually your heart starts, stops racing and then you, you go down and you introduce yourself, right, to, into your first, you know, gay and lesbian community space and you realize, oh, it's just people. Mm. It's the same thing. Now let's go to the roost and dance and have fun. Yeah, Exactly, and and spend the next, you know, and go to flashback and, and yeah, go party, and yeah, do weird drugs, <laughs> yeah. So um, I was again. I just throw in one more memory. I remember one of the CGSW fundraisers. We had my soon in there, and we had this whole running gag about. Oh, listen, we need more money for CGSW. Listen, my soon's coming in, and if you donate $100, next $100 will get my soon and assless chaps. Yes, we're not joking. Right here, right now, my soon and assless chaps. Oh, my God, get my credit card out. Michelle, I'm, I'm doing it myself, right? Like, we would do we would do stuff like that, right? And then it's, my soon was cool with it, but everyone else is like, I can't believe you disrespected my soon that way. I said, but we know her. She was, She would be cool with it. Right, we raised a f we 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 raised our share of money for the for the radio station. This yeah. is why we're sitting in such a beautiful space now. Yeah, this is all of our hard work, decades of hard work, continued hard work. I'm sure at CGSW for um, campus community radio. Exactly, and there's no other space we could have this show podcast except at a CGSW. So, in that regard, I guess that's why we're doing our reunion show here. We don't know what's going to come next if we're going to continue in some incarnation or not, or whether this is just a way for us to reminisce and introduce um, uh, the kind of diverse show that even CGSW was willing to put together almost 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, let's remember the times too, and it's kind of when I was thinking back, I mean, AIDS was still a very ongoing proposition. The AIDS network was an important, um, I'd say, lodestone in our in calgary and in edmonton as well that was people can't under like for our generation age was huge i i have people i know who died friends that died from aids i remember going on uh when the queer like when the aids blanket uh, project came to edmonton i remember being there volunteering there trying to raise money for more research um that was unlike anything we've seen since i would have to say and and our show was still like things were going on, right? The fundraising it was important. 
a proper medical concoction that kind of helped with the symptoms to stop people from dying. It, people were still dying when we were doing dikes on mics. And that, that I really remember um, being huge in Calgary. But what's incredible now is it's more than 12 years ago that, uh, 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 whatchamacallit, um, was created, like a treatment, sorry, a treatment was created yeah. for, for, for dealing with HIV infections. And it's literally become a pill mm -hmm. that you take once a day called PrEP. And it can be taken from, by when, men or women. And it literally brings your viral load down to an undetectable zero, a zero undetectable level in which if you have HIV, you cannot, cannot spread it to anyone else. And it, it's mind boggling, like mm -hmm. the, what has happened since those years mm -hmm. until now. But just to give people a flavor, when I moved to Calgary and, and met all you folks, um, there was a lot of fear about going to your doctor to get the HIV test. And we would go down to the free clinic by the old French made by Eau Claire, give them a hooker name, a fake name, and get tested because we did not know what the Alberta government would be using if you had a positive result for. That's how paranoid and afraid we all were, Right. But today, my hooker name was my sister's name, by the way, because we, we really didn't get it. I was going to say, but today <laughs> we have an, a health network that links everything into one spot yeah. under your name. So even more now that if you if you do go and your result is known, like it, it truly has come to fruition. Like some people on a privacy level would not want that, mm -hmm. especially if they're living a different kind of lifestyle. They might be married, they might have partners and not know this stuff, but I think the issue that you're talking about, Vicky, is still in the, still very much in the in the forefront, which is, you know, government knowing about your personal information. Like it's literally there, and and I don't know whether, you know, insurance companies can tap into that information and decide their your rates are going to go up or you're not going to get coverage because you know you have HIV, and you know stuff like that, or yeah. or whether they really recognize that. There's a, a bona fide treatment for it, and literally, there is no. There shouldn't be any stigma and fear around it. Yeah, and and so many people don't even know about this treatment. And let's no. talk about Pride because Pride's this week, right now, August twenty sixth to September third. I mean, we were in Pride. We were in Pride every year. We were going through, and 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 at I think when Dom was around Pride, we had the big parade. But earlier on, Pride was really. You took your chances going to Pride. Pride, Pride was scary yeah. in the day in the early days yeah. because I, it was a, a sort of a, a fear factor walking on those streets, not knowing who was on the side, and it was. And I have in recent years participated in Pride, and it is completely different. I've got the the police out there and WestJet and uh, corporate companies out there, and, and maybe they're doing it because it's the thing to do, um, but. Uh, it was uh, back in the day. It, I and I, I really did reflect in in recent years uh, on walking down those streets of uh, how I felt before, and being fearful of the the discrimination that was thrown at anyone walking in that in in the in Pride. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this younger generation understands why people, maybe in our generation, we don't do PDAs, personal displays of affection. Mostly, we don't. I, I know I certainly don't. I still don't feel safe, and even as a woman, I don't feel safe. I remember, remember when we used to do Take Back the Night marches for women, not the church, not the state. Women will decide our fate, right? Um, 
Even I, then, it was scary just to walk in a larger women's demonstration for women should be able to walk the streets the same. It was all at the same time mm-hmm. when it wasn't safe. Even when you were in large groups at the Pride Parade or at Take Back the Night March, there were still creepy people threatening to do stuff to you on the side. But there's still that. I mean, we've gone from that. I mean, literally, we're old enough to have experienced that, making the battle and the fight, quote, winning the fight, having some period of time in which we can celebrate. And now we're feeling the back, you know, the backlash to it. And it it was very painful to take like my my pride sticker off the back of my car just because I I felt like I couldn't um, have that out in the open. It would that, just target your car. Exactly. Yeah. And and that that people, you know, would decide to do something and and it was it was really hard. Like our our moments of really being, I think, celebrated in pride. Um it was a very short time, and and people are just like I I kind of go. How can we convince the world to work together about around something when we can't even get consensus about a a strip of of thirty feet of multicolored paint in which people have to desecrate and write you know terrible things etc. If if we can't get consensus around thirty feet of sidewalk or street street then how are we ever going to come together as a community yeah you know and and that's like such a hard reality harsh reality and yet it harkens back to what i felt in the in the 80s when i was a kid and how unsafe it is and i i feel like we're actually going right back there again so yeah and and you know when we had thanks so much when we had my little my little truck we put uh, cam speakers and cam with DJ. We'd all get a bunch of our friends. We'd decorate the truck and we'd be in there. And and part of being on Dykes on Mics, uh, we used our real names. And at that point, a lot of people we know that were in radio doing gay shows, um, gay or lesbian, LGBTQ, we were just using gay and lesbian back then. Right? But Queer. But queer, yeah, exactly. Um, would not use their real names for fear that you know, they could become victimized or targeted, right? But it was so important that we used our real names, that we talked about our real lives, that we went to Pride and were very visible, as visible as we could be. We even had, um, remember when we had the flirtation workshop at Money Pennies to kind of like raise money so we'd have money to pay for floats and all that kind of stuff and, and do giveaways. Um, again, thanks to Money Pennies, thanks to Annette at Izobiza, who were our original sponsors, but doing things like that that brought... Um, I mean, going back to that token or that slogan, right? Representation does matter. And you do take a risk when you're out using your real name, talking about your real life. Where where do you work? Blah, blah, blah. Like, it gives people, I think, like, if you don't stand up, everyone lies down, right? Yeah. Well, sorry, Vic. I have proof in VHS about our flirtation workshop, which I don't think I've stuck into. Did we tape that? I taped it. A, v- a VHS oh my God, <laughs> machine <laughs> since it's. I had a woman uh, like jump all over me in the bathroom. It was it was insane. Well, but, I didn't have that problem. Did you? I, I, I don't think so. Well, I wouldn't mind having that problem now, but uh, I'm fat and old now, so who cares? But uh, yeah, but we did fun things like that. Flirtation workshops. It yeah, was great. yeah. So I, I might get that. Uh, I know somebody that can probably transfer it on to like a digital. So maybe I'll do that and then. <laughs> <laughs> share it with you both <laughs> people yeah. <laughs> yeah 
Or even like women dances, like Space Out dances in Edmonton or the women dances here. Oh my gosh. Um, are those even happening anymore? Actually, there is. The Rainbow uh, Seniors uh, LGBT group is having a Halloween party. Halloween dance. So you just have to look up Rainbow Elders online. You'll get their website. And so are you saying we're going to this? I don't know if I could say that We'll be the youngest late. group what, there. What is an elder? <laughs> elder. You know, we have, we have, there's a group in Calgary called Rainbow Elders. Okay. Yeah, and they're, they are elders. I mean, we're getting plus? ready to enter that, but I think it's 60 and over. Okay. And they oh, we can't go, even go then. No, 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 no. We can go. Anyone, it's open to anybody. But they uh, they operate through the Kirby Center. So, and, and as someone who's approaching that, I'm like, oh, thank God I have a club to go to. Maybe I can play some bridge. But... Um, but again, it's the generation before us who are the real pioneers, right? Um, that we didn't create the will like they did, right? And the people in the 50s and 60s did. Stonewall did. Um, and just honoring those people that paved the way for Dom. Dykes and Mikes, right? Well, it sounds like we're going to be going to the rainbow Halloween party. Perhaps. But, but again, how can, I don't know what you got, but I need to be in bed by 9.30. I'm tired and my cat doesn't like so me So it starts out. at 4. It starts at 4 and ends at 7. Oh, no Does doubt, no? I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, it's at check. the Kirby Center. Yeah. We'll look. Well, thank you both for doing this show. We could talk forever. We should probably wrap up. But can we just like point yeah. if people want to, because I know we all, we all are do, still doing community work in our own special ways, in our own different communities that we have our 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 feet in um is that okay if we kind of go around table and do that because i'm pushing it so i really got into tabletop gaming so tabletop uh role-playing games like dungeons and dragons and i've been organizing a group since 2017 through the meetup website and we used to be called lgbtq2sia plus allies Dun dungeons and dragons it was a mouthful so we just rebranded to queer questing plus allies everyone's welcome D D. And uh, we've been doing things since 2017. In 2018, we started an annual gaming convention that happens in November at Dickens Pub. And Dickens mm. Pub, as you guys know, they host a lot of drag shows. They are wonderful. The owners, uh, Chris and Amber, used to own the warehouse back in the day. So oh. I've known them for a long time. And they host a lot of different events for a lot of different communities. They are a fantastic venue in Calgary. I can't say enough about all the charity work they do. And we'll be there uh, November 17th, 18th, 19th. We'll be there on the 19th. On the 17th and 18th, we do an online um, convention where we run different D&D games, Call of Cthulhu, that kind of thing. And really what it came out of um, was I was going through a divorce. And my therapist said, you need to have some social interaction. And I've always played with white cis, played with white cis males, D&D uh, &D and like law school and stuff. And I thought, I need to play with my own people. I need to find my people again, right? And that's why I started it. And um, we have people from all across the spectrum coming and playing games and just, you know, my last game I ran the other month, I had a gay guy, a married lesbian couple, a cis heterosexual woman, and a cis heterosexual man. And we had the best time. And we don't even look at labels. We're just playing our game, being humans together. And that's the point. But it's also to bring people together. We have some veterans that run games. And these kinds of games and social interaction really help people who deal with, you know, trauma. And 
you know, who maybe don't find other places they fit in. Well, we provide that kind of space where you can have fun. Anyway, so that's our thing. It's called uh, RPG Alliance Con. And you can just look that up. It's on Facebook. It's on Meetup. And uh, that's kind of what I do for my community building. I'm doing a Pride game next Saturday at D6 Cafe, celebrating Pride. So specifically queer-themed. And, yeah, that's what I've been doing the last couple of years as far as my community work because I pay for it all. Because I don't belong to a church, this is how I give back to my, my community, right? I build those spaces, those safe spaces for people to just come be themselves and have fun. So sorry for the rant, but I'm really passionate about it. And, and a place that intergenerationally the queer community can come together. So I usually play games with people from all different backgrounds. And it's the, been the primary way that I've been able to talk and be with people in the queer community in their 20s. And they teach me. And so it's very, oh, I can't tell you, it's a very gratifying experience. So thanks for letting me rant. That's not a rant, Vic. This is what the radio show is designed to do, is share information. And let people know what's going on because, you know, it's it's such a big, huge world. And you just never know. I mean, look at our connections. You just never know the friendships and, and the life-changing things that can happen through community. So, mm-hmm. no, it's great. It's awesome. Karine, did you have anything to share? Oh, you know, more of my community work is... Uh, not so much in, in the, the lesbian, queer, gay community. It's more just in the general community. And um, uh, I would say that on solstices and equinoxes, we host events that evolve movement arts. Um, it evolves movement and um, a little bit of meditation. So definitely you can check them out on Facebook. Uh, personally, I have a, my own... Uh, YouTube channel, The Inner Realms. You can check me out. It's more of a, a voice of spirit that goes on there. And yeah, that's just, that's pretty much what I'm up to right now. I didn't know you had a YouTube channel. So do I. How you many followers do. do you have? Oh, probably six. Oh, yeah. I have about maybe 20. I don't think I've even made a penny off that. But yeah, no, I hear you. It's fun. Okay, I'm going to follow you as long as that's not creepy. No. You can follow my channel too. I will do. We'll play Dungeons and Dragons. What about you, Michelle? Do you have? Are you a social influencer, social media influencer? You know, it's funny. Like I love how we we've become, you know, very um, committed. I think to our areas, and, and mine is film and television, as I've said. And actually, uh, in Alberta, thirty it's like thirty years now that I've been a part of the community from the very beginning as an office PA. And working with three other different companies, I've spent the last 15 years of my career um, doing business affairs. I, I sit on about three other boards, um, and we do lots of, of, of good work. Like one is a BIPOC organization called Creatives Empowered. One is um, a feminist organization called Women in Film, and we were just about to launch on, on uh, August 31st uh, a very important paper that looks at um, uh, women uh, the careers in film and TV and the statistics and the situation and the reality of it, um, which is a really important paper that gets um, kind of quoted and referenced quite a bit. And uh, the women that are part of that group are incredible. And then also I'm part of a, or a national organization um, that looks at film and television. So I guess for me, I've sort of moved into that other level of of 
uh, I want to say regulatory work because that sounds sort of boring, but it's it's kind of like uh, when I was a teacher, I felt like I was influencing a lot of people um, in a space. And then I did a lot of one-on-one work with people in my like, I don't know, 30s and 40s. And now in my 50s, I feel like I'm kind of, you know, being that mentor that can give back. So I've actually, there's like two other organizations that I just um, agreed to be like uh, a mentor. So again, sort of like one-on-one, but also like trying to give back uh, what was given to me in my 20s. So, and I work with a lot of different producers on things. So it's it's kind of, a, it's not so much the queer community anymore, other than that I represent like, you know, the BIPOC community itself and that I exist and that I can make change and that I could be part of that change. Um, on that level, it's kind of where, where I am. And then I, I, I was really honored to, to get the Queen's Jubilee medal. I was just going to say, um, I, I, medal. I was um, you'd mention that. Yeah. Because that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and it was really nice to be contacted by um, the Alberta Foundation for the Arts uh, nominated me. And then I did receive that honor, went up to Edmonton to get it just because the Calgary date didn't work. And it was really um, a really great, um, amazing group of people. And we, we received this award and, and it, yeah, it's a culmination of, of, you know, after I went to Montreal and got trained, I came back to, to Calgary and I've committed my entire career in Alberta. So I'm very proud of that. That's one of the things that I think is accomplishment, uh, accomplishment of mine, but it also helps I don't know, the cachet of being able to help other people by saying, this is what I was recognized for, and, and I continue to do work in this province. So, But weren't you also, I mean, I think you're really humble. I mean, you were, weren't you on the, the board for Fairy Tales for a time? And, oh, yeah. And uh, Calgary Independent Film. For sure. Like, you've done so many of those volunteer positions for so many organizations in Calgary and Alberta really leading and pioneering the way. And it's, and, and I, I couldn't be prouder of you. I think, you mm-hmm. know, it's just an honor, you know, Absolutely. like consistently through your whole life, you have been part of those organizations and, and getting representation and content and mentoring and like, you're yeah. pretty awesome, Wonger. Well, I believe in it. I'm a grassroots girl. I'm yeah. a small town girl at heart. doesn't matter where I am. Mm-hmm. And that still matters to me. And I think that energy travels. Like, it was kind of intimidating to join a national organization after kind of doing things provincially and thinking, oh, can I do this? But it's it's been a very eye-opening experience to kind of move into a national way and know that that, I guess, maybe who I am as a person translates and that what I have to say and represent is important. So it's, yeah, no, thanks thanks for the compliment. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, um, we don't work for these things when we, we do our careers, but now I think each of us can say we've spent 20, 25 plus years doing what we're doing and we're damn good at what we do. Yeah. And and it's it's not out of, you know, it's 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 not a pride thing. It's just, it's it's who we are intrinsically. And, and I love the fact that we've, we've kept to it, you know, that we've, we've grown and we still represent the things that we cared about when we were in our twenties. You know, and I know we're trying to wrap it up, but just, just again, I mean, as you go older, like in your twenties, you're like figuring out who you are, you're finding your community or LGBTQ community, but in your thirties, you go back to the outer world and you bring what you took from that learning who you are as an LGBTQ person and you bring it out into the larger community so if you talk about who our community 
are now, or who do we spend time with now? It's such a broad range of people that, um, you know, they're just friends, they're colleagues, they're coworkers, they're people that we, we want to do and create together. And I may be the, the, the lesbian mother, whatever, but there's also, you know, um, all these other different people representing the spectrum of humanity. And I think that was the really cool thing about Dykes and Mikes that we were just, you know, we were about our community. And then afterwards we went out into the world, bringing everything, the lessons of our community of being feminists, of being um, activists, um, and just took that out. And there's a generosity of spirit, I think, within the queer community that we had to discover we had to find ourselves in, we had to learn from, and then we became ambassadors because every community that I go in, I represent my career community. And hopefully I do a good job of it. And I can see that in the work you do. You represent your various communities. You represent your various communities. And hopefully we bring the generosity of spirit that we've learned to those other communities. Well, it's still something in my life. I mean, it's being... Gay is who I am. It truly is. Mm -hmm. And along with being Chinese and along with being a woman, like all of those things, I, I mean, I don't know. I still experience every day walking through the world and I know eyes are on me and, and I just go, what you see is what you get. And this is who I am. I don't hide it anymore. I'm not confused about it anymore. I'm feel, I feel confident and, and if it, inspires any young younger person out there to know that you can be who you are and you can you can find success and 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 you can be the be who you want to be and you can find what you mentioned you can find a peace mm -hmm. a peace within yourself it is and then a peace with other people absolutely and just a peace within the world nature that's I think that's the greatest gift that's kind of come as we have gone through this journey and now become our 50-something selves. Absolutely. And, and and peace really does. We want, we truly do overall, globally do want peace. And it does, it does require us to find that from within. Yeah. Actively manifesting it. Yeah. There's yeah. always hope. There's always a trajectory to get to someplace that is harmonious with one another. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's see when this show goes out. I'm kind of interested to see if CGSW is going to get any feedback back from its listeners. Take those old rats who don't have their periods anymore and get them out of there. Menopause. <laughs> menopause rules. Menopause unites. You can live through menopause. And, and enjoy it. It's and fantastic. enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and at first you're like, I don't know what this is going to be. Because every, you know, you don't realize how programmed you are. And then when menopause is over, you're like, you truly are free. It's a, it's a bizarre kind of feeling. Exactly. And you don't have the ups and downs and you don't have the same roller coaster. And it's hard to describe until you've gone through it. So maybe that's, that's a future show we can talk about in a good, positive, fun way. Yeah. Who knows? You know, also menopause, like that need to have a partner. Like, I think you definitely, this stage of life, if you don't have that need to have a partner. You have a need to be yourself. And not wanting to be always looking for the next girlfriend. Man, is it great. Holy smokes. It's great to be old and not have that drive to, like, I need to find a girlfriend. I need to go on whatever app to, because I don't want to be. When, it's, when you find contentment within yourself, man, I'm the best girlfriend I ever had. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, girl. Meow. Yeah. Well, my cat Debbie's pretty cool too. 
<laughs> so anyway, I know that's a tangent. I know we're wrapping it up, but God bless the cat people of the world. Exactly. A pleasure. Such as, indeed. Well, I love you both and Cam out there too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it yep. was a good time in our lives. It was a fun thing to do. And yep. it was absolute honor. Yeah. Then and now. Thank you both. All right. Thank you too. Thanks for sharing. And thanks everybody for listening to Dykes on Mike's reunion show. This is recorded August 27th, 2023. Um, so hopefully, perhaps you'll hear from us sooner than later. Yeah. And now it's been two hours and I think we all have to go pee. Thanks everybody. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs>